know if it, I don't have anything else to say about that. It's like seven minutes long. Um, if you're looking or if you're looking for something just a little out there and ridiculous, uh, it's worth a watch. If it hits, it hits. If it misses, you, you didn't waste much time anyways. No. Yeah, you beat off one one less time. That's basically what that means in your life. You can you can sacrifice one 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 masturbation, and you know what? Maybe you're really into Sarah Silverman or Seth Rogen, and you don't sacrifice one. Who knows? But uh, yeah, give it a watch. Let us know what you think in the in the comments. Email. DM slide in our DMs. We're thirsty bitches. Uh that brings us to neighbors. I've not seen this movie. I have. And I've seen the Pick my one jaw too. off the floor. Uh <laughs> Tim has not seen this. Uh this movie disappoints me that it only has a six point three out of ten on IMDb. And part of me thinks that it's because it's people. It it's okay if you're not a parent. If you're a parent, this movie gets twice as good. Like it doubles in how good it is. Oh my god! Tell me on it. What's and the premise of this movie? You weren't a parent when this came out. <laughs> I, I I was not when this came out. Maybe I was. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I was a parent. Maybe um, yeah. But Danielle and I watched it maybe when Sabrina was about six months old, so about you know a little over a year ago, and uh, and it hit home totally different. So Tim, the the premise of the movie is uh, Rose Byrne and Seth Rogen have a young child, and a fraternity moves in next door. Uh, so the they obviously don't want a fraternity living next door. And there's a lot of ramifications that affect their happiness as a family trying to raise a young child. So they try to take the fraternity down. And it just gets ridiculous. Uh, and Zach Efron plays like one of the heads of the fraternity. Uh, it's, it is pretty fucking hilarious. Zach Efron and Dave Franco basically run the fraternity. Oh, uh, shit. I really like Zac Efron. Yeah, I've never it's, seen a bad uh, Zac, Zac Efron movie. I haven't watched his High School Musical shit, so that's probably why. <laughs> I I really love the like just the banter within the dorm or, or the frat house, I should say, is just great. Where they like have the different costume parties and they get shit mixed up. It's like you're dressed up as Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's supposed to be a um, Robert De Niro party. And some one guy's dressed up as Al Pacino from uh, a Fogel, Fogel's character. Yeah. He's dressed <laughs> up as uh, Al Pacino from what is it? Uh, fuck. Scent of a Woman or something. Not Scent of a Woman. Dog Dog Day Summer. I don't know. Dog Day Afternoon. Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, I don't know. He's like, whoo And it's like, you're Al Pacino. You're not even Robert De Niro. <laughs> and then the black guy does like the Sam Jackson speech <laughs> from from Pulp Fiction. Uh, just even there, there's so many little things like the hootie hoo, hootie hoo, like their little like notification calls and stuff like that. Uh, 
like there's just a lot of little things and then not to get like too into the quotes but like uh like just the little things like he puts his dick in your mouth while you're asleep bitch uh-huh i wasn't asleep <laughs> uh um no it was a good movie yeah, Rose Byrne is is awesome. She's so funny. I remember seeing her in uh, Two Hands, is one of her first movies, and it was with um, Heath Ledger. Good little <laughs> Aussie comedy, action comedy. If you haven't seen it, maybe looking forward on Plex. Uh, and just like the the trying to stretch, uh, like the bros before hoes, um, <laughs> like Brad Pitt before Grab Glit. <laughs> uh what are some other ones male erection before one direction oh god um, uh man purses before regular purses <laughs> like they were just it, it goes for so long <laughs> is this a can't miss movie like if i'm gonna say that i watched seth Rogen the first movies? one i would say yeah it's the a great one, comedy yeah. it's a great mm-hmm. comedy you guys haven't led me astray yet. I'm gonna take your uh, your recommendation. There, yeah, the buddy. Comedy, uh, and it? just like the fact that the banter between uh, between even like as the as things progress through the movie, the relationship between Dave Franco and Zac Efron, uh, or Pete and Teddy, is great. And it just adds so much hilarity to the movie oh, itself. And like. His buddy Ike uh, Barinholtz, the wife is like hanging out with Fogel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just like, oh, that's kind of weird. Uh, and he, I, and he's, I like a, Ike he's, a, he's he's a good comedian. He's very funny. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he's he's great. Uh, he was on the Mindy Project for like five years. One of the few saving graces of that show. Danielle loved that show though, so I've I've watched the whole thing. Solidarity, yeah, a lot of people like that. Um, so highly recommended by Chalupa and I, hopefully you watch it, Tim. Hopefully our listeners take a watch, let us know what you think. Uh, that brings us to another thing from 2014, because there was so much in 2014, the interview. Some people love this. Some people hate it. What are your thoughts? I really liked it. I thought it was very funny. Tim, have you seen it? I have. And I rewatched it leading up to this because this was, uh, again, a big part of his book there. But uh, I feel like this movie suffered from the hype that it got because uh, of North Korea hacking into Sony. So it became like this almost legendary status before anybody saw it. So it was hard to live up to that. The premise is absolutely fucking amazing because fuck North Korea, fuck Kim Jong-un and all of his descendants. Uh, So hopefully Kim Jong-un is a big fan of the podcast. (laughs) And fuck Dennis Rodman for going and enabling that son of a bitch. Um, The thing that I I have a problem with this, this movie is like, because it was really funny and it is a great premise and the idea of going to a dictator's place and then the idea of these two kind of fuck ups deciding to kill him. The only issue I had 
and like the all of the actors in it I thought were absolutely amazing um is that I didn't care about the characters that they missed something in the very beginning to make me believe in these guys friendship to to really want to to make them go through like what is my my emotional investment at most the the only thing that's given is that Seth Rogen left college early because he was really good and James Franco's character needed him to join up with the show and they've been working ever since and then he gets made fun of by a colleague and now they're going to go to North Korea to kill Kim Jong-un and it, like it just that, that leap I, I I wasn't invested I wanted to to know why they were friends to know why they would want to go there that's fair I, I I understand that uh what I will say is this is kind of the debut and she's in a few more of their movies after this because this uh the interview was produced written and directed by uh by seth and evan and then also obviously stars seth so uh it's one where they do everything and uh actually uh it stars lizzie kaplan oh she's wonderful yeah which she's she's great in this uh and then she does she's she plays diana in the night before which we'll talk about uh she's in the disaster artist as i think herself and then uh just a little hats off to her and something that i've recently watched anyone see the new cartoon on netflix inside job yeah uh she she plays the the lead role in that she's the main voice of reagan uh and it's a it's a pretty funny cartoon uh the whole the whole idea of the cartoon is that uh, the deep state exists and conspiracies aren't conspiracies. They're ev- every conspiracy you've heard of is real. Uh, <laughs> so, and it's, it's her job as well as, you know, where she works to keep all these conspiracies secret from the world. It's a, it's a pretty entertaining cartoon. Oh so uh, that's on the recommended. Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh it's on the recommended list for sure and it's only one season clark dukes in it so but yeah the interview good premise i definitely think it took some hits because as you said the whole sony thing happened at this time uh you know it's meant to be like right on the nose for a reason like even the fact that's jong un kim uh <laughs> and, and things like that it it's worth a watch but it does it does kind of teeter at times where it's like all right like is this truly worth it did i invest my time wisely i still think it's it's worth the watch for sure uh i'd 100% recommend this movie someone to take a shot at north korea i think is uh kudos to them because it's uh only a few comedic people actually take shots at uh at countries and you're you're talking you're going in like the matt stone trey parker kind of world right now right oh big time yeah <clears throat> so i i definitely appreciated that and kudos to seth and evan for that 
uh, Randall Park, who played uh, the President Kim, a character, he also did a fantastic job when he's in the tank and crying to Katy Perry, wishing he could drink margaritas. <laughs> Do you have a butthole? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I. Yeah, I, I think there's some great jokes in it. It just it got overhyped. And uh, w- an interesting fact for this is between Seth, Evan fighting against Sony for the final shot um, because of pressure from North Korea to show when the tank explodes the helicopter, which I guess is a spoiler, but you pretty much know which way uh, interview movie style is going to go. Uh, they had to reshoot and re-edit the head explosion at the end to the point that it's pretty much obscured but that was like a four-month battle with sony and it wasn't until right up until the premiere where they got told what version was going to happen that they like had to re-edit it every single day like okay we're going to turn down the blood 10 percent, and we're going to turn up this five percent over and over and over again for months. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I did not know that. Like in another part of that whole debacle was like, so North Korea busts in because they find out that they're going to make this movie. When they were talking about making the movie initially, they brought in a security force, uh, a web security force to have a conversation about all right, what should we expect? What should we be doing? They're like, well, you definitely need to up your security. Don't do this, do this, do this, do this. So Seth and Evan made sure that they followed the uh, person that Sony brought in, their advice, their security. So they were perfectly fine. No one hacked into them. But I guess Sony never followed any of the uh, the guidelines set forth, and that's why they got hacked. And they were like, oh my God, I we didn't know it was going to happen. <laughs> <clears throat> interesting yeah i remember people uh making kind of a fuss about it because it's like oh i heard it was going to be like the greatest fucking comedy of like the last two decades and blah 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 and this and this and like I'm, I'm like thinking i'm like i haven't heard that at all, all i've heard is yeah. that it's getting lots of publicities because of north korea's like pushback on it that's it that is it. Mm-hmm. It's nothing about it being so outrageous or this or this or blah, blah, blah. And like hilarity, hilarity, hilarity. It's because it's making fun of a political figure that's like an extreme dictator and almost godlike in his country. So uh, that's the reason why. So, hey, it goes back to what we were talking about before where people, somebody like it's almost like a you know, telephone. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. this, And they kind of blow it out of proportion. But. Anyway, I thought it was really funny too. There's some really good, uh, there's some really, really good uh, quotable scenes and uh, just uh, I'm, what was the part where uh, Seth Rogen is it Seth Rogen that's getting molested by the tiger, or is it James Franco and he's like it's like a, I think I think it's <laughs> Seth Rogen saying it's like it's like a stripy <laughs> an orange stripy dog. <laughs> <laughs> It's like mounting mm. James Franco and licking him. It's it's a funny movie. I think it's really good. And how uh, James Franco Franco's character really uh, blossoms at the end, like pulls it all together and kicks some ass. Yeah. And then it, the way he described to the FBI agent or CIA agent, uh, it's like, oh yeah, like well, this is how we're gonna get out, and there's gonna be a Navy, a C, you know, a Navy SEAL team that's gonna come rescue us, and like everything that he says, pretty much comes true. Like how <laughs> how they escape North Korea. 
Seth Rogen doesn't have any fingers left. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think uh, for those that had high expectations, they're obviously going to be disappointed because it's not meant to be that movie. Uh, This movie is meant to push boundaries more than anything else. And I think it's important to kind of keep your expectations in check and just appreciate the fact that it does push boundaries because in comedy, it's so important to be able to have that freedom to push boundaries. So because we have freedoms in this country. Yeah. Mandate freedom, mandate freedom, (laughs) mandate (laughs) comedy. Uh, the next one, uh, Steve jobs. Having 2015. Uh, he played Seth Rogen. Were there Maybe, like two um, Steve Jobs movies that came out around oh, the same dude, there time? Oh, dude, there were three. There was Jobs <laughs> in 2013, which Ash, Ashton Kutcher played Steve Jobs. And then there was a movie How called By Steve that came out with Justin Long playing Steve Jobs, which was more like a comedy parody. <laughs> um, and then two years later, there was Steve Jobs, the movie, which had Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Uh, and Michael Fassbender like the most was serious. so good as Steve Jobs. Yeah, that seems like the, the best one. Yeah, uh, Kate Winslet, by the way, yeah. as well. Um, so if you haven't seen it, maybe uh, might have worth to. Yeah, I've, I've never really been one for like the tech movies and stuff, but uh, yeah, this one mm-hmm. seems like an important one. Uh, interestingly enough, funny enough, we talk about the tech movies. Uh, this was also written by Aaron Sorkin, who wrote The Social Network. So writing movies about uh, about tech companies is uh, Aaron Sorkin's thing. <laughs> it seems uh, like he has that mind for it. I mean, in all fairness, if we go through Aaron Sorkin's movie writing credits, his actual screenplay writing, it's so good. Right, you're like a few good men, uh, Malice, the American President, uh, like West Wing is a TV show, but Charlie Wilson's War, Social Network, Moneyball, Steve Jobs, Molly's Game, Trial of the Chicago Seven, and Being yeah. the Ricardos. So like, pretty it's unreal. Just hit after hit after yeah. hit after hit, and Molly's you throw game. in the Newsroom, which was a great show. Oh yeah, I like that show. Yeah, like Aaron Sorkin is a brilliant writer. He's no Dick uh, Wolf, but he's pretty good. <laughs> Wolf uh, Dick. So <laughs> you you, you kind of land in the perfect situation because uh, Seth Rogen actually does a really good job as Wozniak, Steve Wozniak. Uh, and if you are live in the tech world at all, uh, which I do day to day, you appreciate it that much more. And, you know, Aaron Sorkin obviously wrote the characters well and they're very well-rounded and you really feel for uh, Seth Rogen's character at times because Steve Jobs, as much as he was idolized, he was a fucking maniac. (laughs) There's, like, no other way around it. Uh, And people are going to get mad at me for saying that. Bring it. Steve I thought that Jobs was the entire point of the and movie. Apple fanboys are also maniacs. <laughs> I said it. Yeah. Shots fired, bitches. Anthony. 
My <laughs> Apple is so much better than your Android. I don't know really? how to use it. Don't even hand me your phone. How do you work this thing? Really? It's identical, except this is more user-friendly. I didn't realize that this was a Sorkin movie, but it does fit with what I know of his shooting style, like a West Wing, long shots uh, kind of filming style. But uh, mm-hmm. it definitely, after walking away from this movie, which I enjoyed, and I ended up hating Steve Jobs, uh, but the uh, it felt like I was watching a play. Like a really well orchestrated, beautiful play that I would like to see in a theater. For sure, for sure, I agree with that. Uh, oh my actually, god! But, how bad would that fucking play be? I am going to sell you a laptop. <laughs> to three years later. Welcome to a the one. genius bar. Your imagination ha- can go so far. You know, not every play has to have sync. <laughs> yes it does it has to in my mind it does because I, I love musicals and, I and control saw, and, and. side note uh, I saw last time I was in New York when Daniel was pregnant with Sabrina uh, I took her to see a play called Betrayal and it starred Tom Hiddleston Oh, and it was so fucked good okay and it was just tense but like just enough little moments of levity in it but the whole time it's tense and the stage rotates so like you're getting three parts of the story basically of the same story and the stage rotates uh for like the different scene and stuff and then you the like the character just other characters just stood there off scene for like 10 minutes while this was all happening. Cool. Um, it was very. It's like a U2 concert. Yeah. Kind of uh, like the Hamilton I... setup? With the rotating um, stage? Yeah, yeah, a little bit like that. Betrayal obviously has been around well before Hamilton, so this was like an updated version. I think the original was in like 75 or something. So. Um, yeah, I was just super happy we were able to catch it. We caught it like last night that we were in New York, just hit up like a TKTS booth and, uh, and managed to get it. Um, that was a super random side note about Broadway, but every once in a while you can go to something where there's no singing, like, Oh, hello, as well as another one that we saw that doesn't have singing, but is <laughs> absolutely that isn't me at all. I prefer singing. Thank you. I want to see the beauty. Chalupa, if it doesn't have too. hymns, then what's the point? <laughs> hymns are just really catch. Uh, I forget what they call it, but it's like when you just have the same uh, the same music, but it's just put into different uh, with lyrics throughout the the, the show. Mm. I think it's awesome. Uh, I know what you like you know, like Fiddler on the Roof. It's just like, hey, it's that it's the chorus. It's brought back in, but it's like a little bit different. <laughs> um. So, next on the Seth Rogen list is a TV show, which we you guys may have seen. And this one, our audience, I don't know, uh, a lot of people missed this show. Didn't get a chance to watch it. It's a great show. It's called The League. Oh, yeah. I love The League. The first couple See, of seasons of The League. Yeah. 
it, it obviously gets a little ridiculous. Uh, Seth Rogen has a recurring character on the show. He's probably in like an episode per season. Um, but an absolute great show overall. Seth Rogen's character adds a little bit to it just in uh, in how he his relationship obviously with Jason Manzukis, aka Rafi, who arguably makes the league. Uh, <laughs> just because it's Jason Manzukis and he plays the perfect nutcase right, who <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, no, he really does play a good psychopath yeah uh and seth rogan's his friend so it's a it's a very interesting dynamic between the two of them uh i i recommend this show it's basically a show that centers around a bunch of people that are in a fantasy football league but the show has nothing to do with fantasy football at all uh like when danielle when i pitched the show to danielle i was like we we have to watch this i've heard good things she was like i don't want to watch a show about fantasy football (laughs) and we watched like the first couple episodes like let's give it a shot and we blew through it so quickly she absolutely loved it it's called jean lejoie canadian yeah um everyday normal guy youtube it it's great yeah everyday normal guy equals mc vagina uh, <laughs> show me your genitals. Genitals. Uh, show me your genitals. Genitalia. <laughs> uh, Paul Shear and his uh, and Jason Manzukis uh, have their own movie podcast with uh, they also hosted with his wife uh, June Diane Raphael, who's going to show up later on in the list. But uh, yeah, how did this get made? It's all about bad movies. It's great. Nice. Uh, you got Steve Renazizi in this, aka the guy who lied about uh, being <laughs> uh, like avoiding 9/11, <laughs> barely. <laughs> like, oh I think God. that was his thing, or like he like got a, he lied about being in the building and getting out or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, great stand-up guy, great character. Good guy, uh, Nick Good Kroll. Guy. <laughs> Nick Kroll's in it. It's it's just a well-rounded show uh, with just the right like just absolutely ridiculous and uh great banter between friends which i think uh anyone who has a tight group of friends uh that has this kind of banter like it's very relatable so and it's also even though it's a lot of episodes it's only 20 minutes an episode so easy to blow through uh moving it along the night before we talked about this one before. I've talked about it at length. So I'm going to basically take this time to grab some water and uh, <laughs> and let you guys talk about the night before. And then you can also talk about Sausage Party because I have nothing really positive to say about that either. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I do either. <laughs> I got some things. Uh, night before, definitely. So, Mike... Tim, you can talk about the night before and I'll talk about uh, Sausage Party then. That sounds perfect. Uh, night before yeah, is definitely now perfect. in my uh, aw, baby, uh, in my Christmas rotation of movies to watch. Uh, Seth Rogen and friends go on a final Christmas outing uh, where they're going to do a bunch of drugs and uh, see Miley Cyrus or get into an exclusive Christmas party, but uh, paced well, funny, good kind of. Uh, uh, 
twisting of tropes for Christmas movies. I found, I thought that, uh, it's beautifully shot and Seth Rogen's character is hilarious in it. The, uh, <laughs> the, the scene at the church we had talked about in the previous episode, there's really not much more we can say about this, but if you want to go back to our Christmas episode, uh, or forward, depending on when it's released in the new schedule. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm struggling to say too much more about it. I, I really like this movie. I think it's a, a must watch at Christmas time. Absolutely. I hundred percent agree. There are some very, very, very funny moments in this movie. Uh, interesting, uh, ensemble too. Like, again, like we were talking about how Justin Gordon Levitt has kind of taken a, a kind of a forefront role with Seth Rogen as a good buddy. Um, mm-hmm. he is funny. Like you, you don't really think like, Oh yeah, let's put him into like a big comedy holiday, uh, blockbuster, but he does it very well. And then Anthony Mackie in it. So it's like, all right, yeah, let's, yeah. let's do it. Falcon. Uh, Michael Shannon's in it as well, which is like, okay, cool. He's in a comedy too. What up? But, uh, the whole exchange, um, like Seth Rogen's character is hilarious because he just gets all the <laughs> like everything is just going bad for his night out where he gets like the the hall pass to do all these <laughs> drugs and he's getting his phone he gets his phone mixed up with uh, Mindy Culling's character and it's just hilarity ensues ensues and he gets all these dick pics from James Franco's <laughs> character and that's hilarious too oh man and like now it's just like hindsight it's like yeah it's kind of creepy it makes sense okay yeah um (laughs) jordan gordon levitt getting to play outside of his typecasting as well yeah yeah exactly exactly the dramatic uh pretty boy and stuff like that kind of like the b-list actor uh, or supporting role actor but yeah he's good in this one not just being the nice i like the the whole movie I like yeah. the whole movie, and I think it's a a new staple for holiday films, and it's good for the, uh, uh, you know, like the young single guy or the the young couple, or um, I don't know, like everyone kind of hitting their thirties or mid thirties and realizing that hey, my friends are, you know, getting lives. I, I know you've talked about that too before, Tim. Yeah, and you know they're having their families, and it's like, hey, can I jump in with them? Uh, maybe I should give them some space, let them do their own traditions, and Don't I'll jump back behind. in there later as the surly adopted uncle. I'm the cool uncle with dogs, right? I have all. Yeah, that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that is that movie, and then moving on to Sausage Party where I'm probably going to stand a little closer to Brian's role, but I, when we're doing this show, which is an interesting thing, is trying to find movies that of an actor that you haven't quite seen before, or a director or writer that you haven't quite seen before, or the ones that you love. And when I was trying to choose, because you have such limited time to, to pick movies, you can't watch a person's entire filmography... Sausage Party kept coming up as one that I felt like I should watch and I just couldn't bring myself to it because I don't remember it being that funny outside of a bunch of food fucking jokes. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. There's a lot of food fucking jokes. There's like it's just it just seems like uh the low-hanging fruit, no pun intended, for being a food of of jokes. Like it's you know, like you know the whole like they're eating the children, 
fucking children like uh like all that uh part <clears throat> is this another movie that could have been overhyped but good in retrospect like when you go back absolutely overhyped 100 percent. i still think it was funny i i enjoyed it i'm not gonna put it in my i wouldn't even put it in my top 10 for seth rogan movies but i still thought it was funny you know even even a low-hanging kind of uh middle tier comedic joke uh movie from seth rogan isn't that bad it's definitely better than observe and report i would say that how dare you yeah i know it's also better than green hornet in my opinion (laughs) (laughs) i think it's better than paul um but again like i don't know i I can definitely like agree and like give a few eye rolls and like nick kroll is the douche and it's like oh yeah i guess he is kind of a douche from time to time um yeah, I don't know. I, I, I definitely saw the movie. Like I, Going into it, I kind of knew what it was about, but I, I would, wasn't expecting that, um, that direction. And okay. I don't know. I thought it was still funny. And then, like, yeah, it's just like all these uh, food items are just horny and sadistic <laughs> in the end. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're funny. They're funny moments in it. Um, like the oh, why can't I think of the name of the bread? Not Nan, but similar, like just Nanner. Uh, I think it starts with an L. Latka. Oh, uh, I'm gonna Lavash. Lavash. Yeah, I think that's what is it. Opposite of Edward Norton. <laughs> uh, the bagel. Yeah, and just uh, just like the whole uh, like, I'm I'm to have seventy seven bottles of uh, extra virgin olive oil in the beyond, uh, <laughs> waiting for me and all that. Like, there's humor in that. It just seems like there's too much that's very forced. Like, this gave me. Don't, you don't mess with the Zohan vibes. Yeah. Uh, and I don't... There's a lot of Jewish actors or Jewish, uh, you know... Yeah. Uh, descendant actors. And I this. don't mind you don't mess with the Zohan for the same reason. There's some, like, like some legitimately good hummus humor and you don't mess with the Zohan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking love you, hummus. But is it is it something that I'd recommend people watch? It's definitely low on the list. Uh, lower on the Seth Rogen list. Still, you'll get some laughs out of it, right? So I'm going to take a whole eggplant. You couldn't fit a whole eggplant in you. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, I thought it was all right. Mm-hmm. Did it win anything? Probably I don't not. think it did. It was produced and written by Seth Rogen, by the way, just so you know. And uh, no. Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg also produced the night before. And they produced and wrote the next movie on the list, which is Neighbors 2. <laughs> Cash grab. It was the winner of the Golden Trailer Awards. Best teaser TV spot. And I guess there is um, a little trivia to it as well that it was actually uh, added in as a preview during a kid's movie in a few theaters. So wow. there was some very upset parents when that came up, like before random uh pixar movie like cars 2 or whatever <laughs> they played That's it fair. so yeah not good not good 
Next up. Neighbors 2. Not as good as the first. No, I agree. Uh, We didn't even bother to rewatch it uh, after we had the little one. Just I think I saw it in theaters as well. Um, You know, it's just classic. Women aren't as funny as men. Like a sorority's <laughs> not as funny as a friend. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the views no, no, of you're Brian right, you're Smith right. <laughs> is not reflective of the views of Couch Critics Canada. Although he is correct, a... we do not support these statements. I guess there's a Neighbors 3 as well. It's a yeah, short. There's a Neighbors 3 uh, short, I think, at the end of the Neighbors 2. Um, you have some You have some interesting moments in this, some good not even cameos just smaller roles like Hannibal Burris is in it I I love Hannibal Burris uh he's so he provides some levity you still have Rose Byrne who is absolutely hilarious Ike Barinholtz is obviously in it like you get the returning cast and then you add uh you add a few more people Aquafina Selena Gomez is in it um but yeah, it just doesn't hit home the same way. The laughs don't hit as hard. Mm. Uh, it just wasn't as rewatchable in my mind. And I think even the rating of the movie is like a full point lower on IMDb. So, uh, you know, that that helps validate me a little bit at least. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, Chalupa kind of agrees. Tim, you, if you haven't seen the first one, you probably have not seen the second one, right? So... Chloe Grace Moraz, <laughs> I, I I think I I I recognize from other stuff. Oh, okay, we've talked about her in a few different uh, roles. Um, yeah, Aquafina. That okay. This is not. An, I know I am jumping onto a dumb dumb joke, but that's not a bottle of water. That's a human being. I don't. Is that like Nora Love? Uh, Loom, Lum, I think is her real name. Uh, yeah, Aquafina. She, she's pretty hilarious. Uh, and she also is under a lot of heat right now, I think, for people saying that she uses uh, black scent in, in, uh, at times. Uh, black scent like she smells like a, a black person this seems like a no really like odd... she's uh like An she's accent. like she's oh. talking like she's black uh don't which they I call think that is just ebonics, or is because... that an outdated term <laughs> it... <laughs> nope black scent is the new term okay uh thank you yeah uh it's just it's kind of hilarious to me because um if anyone has ever heard uh, Iggy Azalea rap versus Ig- Iggy Azalea talk. You can never even go after Aquafina. Like it just seems ridiculous to to do that. Iggy Azalea is this white chick from Australia, and she raps like she's straight out of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, this is a good place to tie into a different movie that Seth Rogen did, and uh, it is uh, Good Boys. So there was a bit of... Uh, I, I haven't seen this movie yet. I saw the commercials that looked good. It kind of another super bad uh, idea, but with younger kids. Uh, so on the set, they were lighting everything and getting everything set. So they had a stand-in for one of the characters who were black. And 
they had another person come in and stand in for the kid, but he got accused of using blackface, even though the stand-in was also black, but they darkened the kid's skin a little bit more. So, oh. Yeah. <laughs> He's apologized for yeah. it and said that he should use people that are the proper shade, which seems counterproductive for that <laughs> that person like i understand don't take a white kid and paint him black but like then that kid loses a job now i feel like i might be missing the mark and not being sensitive to a larger issue that i don't understand but this one might be beyond me yeah i remember also hearing about how zoe saldana could not uh was getting um flack for being casted as nina simone and she wasn't black oh my god dark enough and it's like Ugh. it's to the like people seem to forget that this is still acting like, i'm on that I'm side not, I'm, yeah yeah i'm not saying like uh that you need a white person in blackface uh and that no. that's acceptable we've grown past that uh we also have realized that it's it's not white people weren't put in blackface because they were better actors put in there because they had the opportunities that some people didn't back in the day. I'm Mm. not saying that, but what I'm saying is in the era we're in now where there's, it's not, we're not at full equality. And to me, I just equity is a word I try to avoid um, because I think it's misinterpreted and we can have a whole other podcast about that. But from (laughs) an equality standpoint, uh, from an equality standpoint, we're we're not there yet, but we're close enough where like if you're getting mad because someone is like ten percent lighter of a shade than they should be for a role, like you're you're missing the mark at that point. It's not just about the matching up the exact perfect tone of someone's skin. And at going some with point that. it has to be about merit of the actor. And how they fit the role, and all. And of if that they can content. sing, you know that could be a big thing. Like I think Zoe Saldana can sing, and that yeah. might be a good thing to add. Um, I, I think it was that Bill Burr that they you sent to, and it's just like, I, I saw this movie and this guy died, but he's not actually dead. <laughs> what kind of yeah. bullshit is that? Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm not sure if I brought up with you guys before, but I remember watching uh, behind the scenes of Dances with the Wolves. And Graham Greene was being interviewed, and uh, Graham Greene is uh, a woodland Cree, which means he's a Cree from, um, you know, more of the, the, the eastern parts of Canada, uh, as far as I understand. And he was, you know, um, auditioning for the role of Kicking Bird, uh, and the indigenous tribe or group of people in Dance of the Wolves is the Sioux or Lakota. And they're plains indigenous, which means that they're exposed to the sun a lot more. So they're more red or darker, where the Cree are typically woodland and they're, you know, shaded by the trees. So Kevin Costner's casting him and like, you know, during the audition, he's like, he's not, you know, not darker, red enough. (laughs) And Graham Greene is like telling the story and he's like, my people were in the trees, man. Like we were, we were away from the sun. We weren't getting that dark. We were working on our tan. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, you got a native actor. Hey, I'm ready to go. And he even got nominated for his role for uh nominated for an Oscar. Pardon me. Um, yeah. Very, very, uh, 
as long as you don't cross the Mickey actor, Rooney line, Graham right? Green. Love like that guy. Where he's playing Mr. Yuni Oshi in uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Like, oh, hello. Yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's there, pretty there's much a the lot line, of roles right? that you look back on. And, like, I, I was, Tara and I were watching White Fang, and then we watched White, White Fang, too. And all the, like, Haida tribes people are played by, like, South Vietnam or Vietnamese or Thai people and like actors and stuff. It's like, we're all the indigenous actors. It's like, they're all Thai and Vietnamese and Japanese. I'm like, this isn't right. It's a whole mm-hmm. different discussion, but uh, yeah, like, I don't know. That is a, uh... yeah, it, it's a, obviously a touchy subject for three white men to talk about. Uh, yeah. Hey, two two, two white men and a Métis. Yeah, 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 that's true. Sorry, sorry for discounting your uh, your heritage, Tim. My no, apologies. but I expect that. Uh, not expect that. I accept that, and uh, I'm uh, pretty comfortable saying that uh, as a very white-looking man, uh, maybe I shouldn't have too much of an opinion or educate myself further so I can better understand the issues that uh, are beyond stuff that uh, doesn't directly fl- affect me on a daily basis. Well. And this is the thing, too, is I think it's a, a very debatable topic for even people that aren't white, straight males. You know, like you could have a room full of, you know, people that are very diverse and they still wouldn't agree on the issue and have their own strong opinions on the yeah. matter. Mm. That's just my opinion. But, so uh, uh, Getting back into it a little bit, Tim. You had brought up Good Boys, and that's on my list of movies <laughs> that he that they produced, Seth and Evan produced. Uh, I actually saw Good Boys in theaters with Danielle. I really liked it, and uh, just just gives you it's like picture picture super bad, but like six years earlier, seven years <laughs> earlier. That's kind of the vibe that you get from that movie. Uh, it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but it, it also kind of like, it paints kids in a light that's real. Cause by the time you're in grade six, you're not an innocent child anymore. Right? And you, you're starting to have conversations, you're starting to look at girls, you're starting to think about that kind of stuff. And some of your friends may not at that age. Right. So, uh, I don't know. I thought, it, I thought it kind of hit that balance really well and also uh soft spot for jacob tremblay uh representing canada um and and you know getting his big break in uh in a room not the room room <laughs> uh, <laughs> very different movie uh room i believe won uh won academy award for uh with brie larson won best actress for it and uh it was nominated for you know best picture and a bunch of stuff debuted at tiff uh, i believe it won the grolsch people's choice awards at tiff great movie if you haven't seen it based off a true story of a woman and her child that have been held captive for seven years and they finally gain their freedom uh very powerful and as i said based off a true story um yeah, uh, which the reason why I mentioned Room and brought up Jacob Tremblay is because it's a perfect segue into our next movie, <clears throat> The Disaster Artist, which is based off the other movie, The Room. <laughs> <laughs> the other Room movie. 
<laughs> I have heard about this movie for years and years and how it is. The Room celebrated. or The da- Disaster Artist? The, the Room. Uh, is celebrated <laughs> as one of the worst movies of all time and like how it is shown weekly and people get together and go down and shout stuff. I started to watch this movie, but it felt like I don't like bullies and maybe this was done with love, but this felt like it was making fun of somebody. So I turned it off. I was oh, absolutely. One was. of the first times that I've, I've really done that. I felt really but uncomfortable. The funny thing is, is that, uh, Tom Wissa was such a an egomaniac that he thought this movie was like an ode to him, <laughs> and they all talk about it. Like all these guys, like Paul Shear, James Franco, Seth Rogen, they all talk about like how they were in college and they would watch The Room and they would like get inspiration from it, mm-hmm. you know, to go on with it and everything. Like like the list is huge where they're all talking about like how much they love The Room in one way or another. Um, uh, our our good friend Nat Nat Webb, uh, <laughs> uh, the guy that does uh, the, the, does our intro music. Thank you, Nat. He did his own little um, video music mix up to kind of like a dubstep for the room. He takes sound bites and like um, audio clips from the movie and turning it into a dubstep. And then he actually got approached by Tommy Wiseau's people saying that he's making money off of it. And he didn't have permission to do this and everything. And he's like, uh, no, I'm not. But he's using a lot of the clips from the movie, from pieces on YouTube and everything. So they gave him shit. But then he was actually on Attack of the Show. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then he was, because uh, they're talking about that, because he, he, what was his, uh, his old name used to be Micro Jupiter. <laughs> and yeah, they talked about him on that. And then they also, uh, some, um, because he couldn't use the uh, the the video anymore from the different scenes on YouTube, uh, some girls from I want to say Oxford or Cambridge or something like that made uh, their own little music video. They still use the audio because they could the, the actual song, but uh, yeah, they they did their own little music video and it was very funny and good good fan art for that for sure. Oh, interesting. I yeah, I remember. When the disaster artist came out, and I I watched it, I remember being like, okay, this is okay. You could tell that they're making fun of him, but there, it's like it, it strikes a, it, it at times it strikes the right balance where it's like you're ma- you're poking fun of, but you're also paying homage to something that like has met, been a part of your life. But then there's times where it just does seem like they're picking on, right? Yeah. Um, and hey, maybe it's deserving if the person's such an easy egomaniac that they're just eating it up. But what baffled me was like this got like a bunch of buzz come award season, and I, it just surprised me. Really? Uh, I think it was nominated for best screenplay adapted. Best screenplay. adapted screenplay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Written uh, by uh, Scott Neustadter and Michael H. Weber. I thought it was an okay movie. I'd say watch it if you if you have the time. I remember being impressed with Dave Franco. He's such an acting. odd character. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to step on Sorry, you. Tim, I apologize. No, that's fine. I just wanted to get that out there before you interrupted me. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, uh, I was surprised at uh, how good uh, Dave Franco's acting was for like because I watched it all the way up to the point that they're throwing the ball in the park, the football, and uh, I guess maybe if I if I had grown up with the room, then maybe I would have more of appreciation for like a nostalgic movie. But like I I am curious where the best screenplay buzz would come from, but maybe that just speaks to the nostalgia surrounding it for fellow, uh, like, I guess, creatives in Hollywood. Like, if there if there's a culture around it there, then maybe that's why it's... Uh, that That's how it got through, but not from what I saw. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I can understand where you're coming from. Uh, and to be honest, like... I like watching bad movies, um, but like I can't, I can't go back and rewatch a bad movie like more than a couple times. Like, and the room is just—it's so bad to the level where it's, it's like not even funny. It just makes me sad mm. more than anything else. Whereas something like you know, I've talked about Santa Slay. Like that's like that perfect sweet spot of bad where, uh, like even they recognize that the movie's bad or like Sharknado, they know that the movie's bad. They're leaning into it a bit, but the room is just kind of sad because they really don't know how bad the movie is. Right. Uh, yeah, it's a weird one for me. So with that being said, why don't we move on to something that surprised me? Uh, and that was long shot. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I actually just watched this a little while ago um, to your guys' recommendations. I loved it. I thought it was so fucking good. Mm. Same. Uh, and <laughs> Sorry, go what? on. No, no. Uh, you first. I was going to say watching it, and there's a few scenes in it. I was going to say, Brian, that, um, pardon me, what's his name? Uh, his best buddy in the movie. I'm trying to see his name here. Damn it. Uh, not, not Wanya Morris. That was really funny when they had boys to men there. And it's like, crack it down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Yeah, Lance. Yeah. Brian, uh, there's a few times where I'm like, he kind of reminds me of you. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fair enough. I can see that. Yeah, it's a compliment. It's an absolute compliment. Or it's just like, yeah, I got you, bro. <laughs> it's just like, we're going to eat some food. We're going to get drunk. Let's do the shit. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of like Brian. And kind of like the image, even. I'm like, yeah, kind of just like chubby, chubby black guy. I'm like, no, that'd be that'd be Brian if he was black. He's <laughs> um, not Republican. Yeah. <laughs> Secret Republican. I could see it. So funny though. Oh, Charlize Theron. She can't do no wrong. Wow. Uh, very, very funny. I love her cameos. And like, she's one of those actresses that you like. You don't really take as a comedian or in funny roles, but oh, when she so does funny. it so good and natural it's just like oh because you're a woman yeah motherfucker yeah, that's a good point <laughs> she's one of the most versatile actresses out there absolutely uh like she can just do a kick-ass action movie role like just uh absolute kick-ass uh you know atomic blonde for example she mm-hmm. can do a completely transformative deep drama like monster or Tully, Mad uh, Max. I didn't even know that she was the main chick. Yeah, 
Wow. Like, she is a chameleon and she's so fucking hilarious. Uh, <laughs> even Who, just... How does someone with the grace of Charlize Theron and her just innate beauty walk and look like monster? Like, how the fuck do you do that unless you're, uh, oh. like, a next-level actor? Like, Exactly. Um, just, funny about her, though. Back when I worked at Blockbuster, do you guys remember the movie Eon Flux? Yes. Yep. So uh, a video game came out at the same time. It was supposed to be this massive thing. So Blockbuster for big movies at the store I worked at, they would order, like, almost 300 copies of the big movies that would come out uh and they ordered 340 copies of eon flux wow and it bombed (laughs) it bombed so bad that by the time blockbuster was closing they still had copies of it in like the used bins like hundreds of copies of it in the used bins and you could get it for like 50 cents and people still wouldn't pick it up like it it absolutely bombed uh but charlize theron um just hilarious even uh she's done hot ones multiple times now arrested development robot chicken yeah uh absolutely untouchable absolutely untouchable uh fast nine <laughs> yeah i, I just saw that i was like that's years nine are you kidding me yeah atomic blonde two yeah and then uh, i i've been meaning to watch the home movie uh the princess bride that that came out it was created and came out during uh the, the initial lockdown for covid she mm-hmm. plays fezzik in chapter nine of it mm-hmm. which has me intrigued very she is such a good actress. I believe she was in love with Seth Rogen. Like the way that she would turn and look at him. Absolutely. It seems so like, uh, like not for nothing. <laughs> the sex scene was so fucking hot when she's like, Oh right, my God. I want I'm you to choke yeah, me, me a little bit and slap my ass. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I like yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, the sex scene was great. Uh, you know what other movie came out around the same time? Brian Smith. What what were your thoughts on uh, on long shot? Sex scene was great. Oh no, I'll jump back into long shot in a second. <laughs> but I wanted it while we were still kind of like gushing over her. Yeah. When she the same year she played Megan Kelly in Bombshell. Bombshell. I don't. That was like about the the whole Fox News scandal, uh, where like mm-hmm. Megan Kelly took on Fox News. Uh, it was her, Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie in it. And her role, like, it was like, holy shit, this woman is Megan Kelly. This is absolutely nuts how well she did. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know who she was up against that year, but she got nominated for an Academy Award that year. I'm curious who she was up against uh, that she w- that she lost to. Oh, boo. I remember being pretty upset about this. She lost to Renee Zellweger as, who, in Judy. Gross. I, yeah. <laughs> I remember <laughs> being pretty disappointed. I was like, Saoirse Ronan 
is Lil Women, which horrible movie, great performance. Cynthia Revo and Harriet, even Scarlett Johansson was better in Marriage Story. Like Renee Absolutely. Zellweger was the worst of those roles. You know what <laughs> I was I was kind of disappointed to see, and I think I think you've kind of like pumped this narrative to me too. Um, or not, I keep using that word narrative. It's a, it's a new word I, I've been hearing a lot, so I've been using it too. Um, I think you've been pumping this, uh, I don't know, message. Kirsten Dunst, uh, what is it? Uh, the, the newly, uh, the Benedict Cumberbatch movie. I'm just watching it now. Something of the dog. Oh, the power of the dog. Yeah. The power of the dog. And I was like, saw her and I'm like, oh no. How was this nominated for an a- a- Academy Award? This is horrible now. Like, yeah. Stupid those little, little teeth. teeth. <laughs> <laughs> even, even, even babies look at those teeth like, oh, those are tiny. <laughs> little corn niblets. You're finally going to lose your, you, you, you'll lose your baby teeth one day, Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> <laughs> one day. Uh, but yeah, long shot. The chemistry was the biggest surprise to me. And I think it goes, it's more about Charlize than Seth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Realistically. Uh, and just, yeah, the level of humor and the, the just, there's once again, such a diverse level in humor throughout the dialogue, right? There's a little bit of a uh, little bit of deadpan, you get a little bit of that rom-com humor off the obviously built in. Uh, and then you have just a great, uh, a great relationship between the two of them. I think one I of my how, how Seth is just so self-deprecating, like on his yeah. own in real life too, but in this movie, and that's probably what brings his charm and like, you know, brings, uh, Charlie's Theron's character towards him a bit more, but yeah, oh god, uh, such, whole... such great writing, banter, hilarious mm-hmm. moments. The the you dress me like Captain Crunch's grinder <laughs> date. <laughs> it's so good. Take take off the jacket. Oh, it's worse. Yeah. Uh... And like her laugh is so genuine too. It's great. June yeah, Diane. I think, she, I think she gets a real kick out of acting. Oh. She... Mm-hmm. And I know I know we're supposed to be talking about Seth, but I, I think I just enjoyed it so much watching Charlie's just <laughs> kick ass in this comedy. And I think Seth just like it's like just have fun. And she's like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna. Oh my god! When he walks in on her, she's just doing her power nap thing. Um, <laughs> well, and it's good to see June Diane Raphael. Uh, Raphael, uh, I, I would always fuck up her name. Try again. Actually getting to uh, be in a movie role. Like I don't often see her get to play much more than the friend, which I know she's doing in this as well, but she is great comedic relief. Um, I have loved her since I started hearing her. Like we talked about earlier, the uh, how did this get made? She also is the person that got me into loving the real housewives. Uh, She has a podcast on the real housewives and it's fucking hilarious. But uh, the okay, where the the jokes in this you talked about the diversity of them like when he's getting the swastika because he's trying to get oh, in with God. the Nazis in the beginning, and then you have that huge pratfall out the window like that physical comedy that's so fucking over the top like I jumped when he hits the car, and then the yeah. same thing not too mm-hmm. long after that uh, when they're doing the. Uh, 
thing uh, at the at the Boys to Men concert. But then throughout the movie, uh, the characters are shown with so much respect. It never became like rah rah girl power. It was more or less just characters being characters, which I thought was uh, a nod to really strong writing and probably uh, Shirley Theron's just innate ability. But uh, my favorite joke in the entire movie came at the end where they're interviewing uh, Seth Rogen's character. And he's just like, yeah, you know, like I, I really wanted to focus on my career for a while. But then uh, I realized it was probably better to just be the uh, the the first man and uh, just accept that as my life and support my uh, wife and whatever she wants to do. And then, like he's showing off the paintings of like all the different yeah. first ladies. And then his is done by a comic book artist. And he's just fucking yeah, got an Tom McFarlane, creator of Spawn. <laughs> We're going to add a bit more flames and a few more eagles into it. It's <laughs> so fucking good, man. It killed me. Like just like that was so absurdist and over the top after how real a lot of the jokes were throughout the 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 show and i guess uh bob odin kirk's character was really over the top as well yeah um, andy circus yeah. andy circus yeah how yeah. the fuck did i fuck up that name uh he's the guy that played golem right he was the bad guy in the this voice for yeah oh i thought that i recognized him but he was in such heavy makeup it was hard to figure out who he was Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a very impressive actor. Oh. Yeah. Um, one of the moments I really like in Longshot is when he's when he's talking about uh, how he's fucked his fair share world leaders. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I 69 Fidel Castro once. You thought his beard was big. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's good and it's once again good relief comedy given the situation right i think relief comedy goes a long way uh uh, to making a movie that much better yeah can't say enough about this movie i think it was highly overlooked by a lot of people when it came out uh because it came out kind of this in mid 2019 and there's a lot of bangers that come out around that time like i imagine avenger an avengers movie came out may 2019 as well uh i wouldn't be surprised usually that's there's always like a late april early may at least tolkien came out rocket man aladdin book smart godzilla all of these movies came out in that time frame when did uh, uh, covid hit this would have been just uh, like COVID, right? Like March 2020 was when March like lockdowns really started to get put in. But yeah, Avengers Endgame was still in theaters May 2019. It got released April 26th, right? Um, so for perspective, Avengers Endgame May 26th, Aladdin May 24th, Pokemon Detective Pikachu May 10th, John Wick 3 May 17th, The Hustle may 10th the intruder may 3rd like that's a lot of fucking competition for long shot so i feel like it just got kind of eaten like just eaten up by what it got released around it was a really good movie so it was disappointing charlie's theron is such a great actor that i was actually cheering for seth rogan to kiss her like how could she fucking convince (laughs) me that that was a reality and i lived in that reality for two hours 
Well mm-hmm. done. Yeah, a very, a very impressive movie. Uh, and that's really, you know, we kind of talked about Lion King when we talked his voice acting. So from an actor standpoint, which, by the way, he was a producer on Longshot as well. Uh, from an acting standpoint, you know, uh, I think, Tim, you wanted to touch on Future Man a bit, which he also produced and directed. Uh, Future Man, I can't really say too much about. Um, I know that since Seth and Evan have been in Hollywood, they've always wanted to do a reboot of a movie called... Uh, oh, shit. I'm losing it. It was an 80s movie. Oh, God. I am so sorry, guys. Um, not The Shame. Last Action Hero. Uh, the Last Starfighter. Uh the whole premise of that movie was a kid was playing an arcade machine and it turns out that that machine was uh, a testing tool for an alien race so that they could find starfighters to defend their galaxy. The writer of that movie is never given up the rights because he figures that he's made the perfect weird movie that it just should exist like that and they've always wanted to reboot it. Future Man is a TV show with their kind of take on it. Even one of the early jokes on is like, oh, this is the last Starfighter. But uh, I'm excited to find this show and uh, and watch it. And once I do, I'll give a, a better review. But this has been a passion project for years. So you know how those can go. I'm, I'm going to keep my excitement and joy up for it. But yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. Um, yeah. Well, when when you do get around to it, let me know. Let me know your thoughts. It sounds interesting. Uh, there's only a few other handful of things that I thought we should catch up on here. And a lot of them are things that he's produced. Mm-hmm. So we talked to good boys a little bit. Uh, Blockers. You guys remember that movie? Uh, John Cena, Leslie Mann, uh, Ike Barinholtz, all, all in it about them trying to prevent their kids from getting drunk and having sex on prom night, like losing their virginity. Yeah. Yeah. Cock blockers. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch it. I remember the huge campaign they had for it. It seemed like it was everywhere. Those trailers. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was just, I, I remember late night on Netflix one time, like wanting something super lighthearted to throw on. I threw it on. Eh, it's one of those where like, you may get like, uh, like, huh, like one of those like chuckles. Great background movie. Just throw it on and not really pay attention to it. Yeah, there were some okay parts. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, you know, if you have a game that you like to play on your phone, throw blockers on in the background. <laughs> uh, Preacher TV show. I have not seen it. I've, I've actually heard good things about it though. Uh, it only took place for a couple couple of years, but um, Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen produced and created it. Actually, uh, did... so the whole premise: after a supernatural event at his church, a priest or a preacher enlists the help of a vampire and his ex to find God. Oh. So yeah. this is a Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon comic book uh, from back in the day. It's uh, it's one of the most highly recommended 
series or trades to pick up. I've never really got too deep into it. I've watched the first couple of uh, shows, and it it seems really really interesting. But when you anything you have with Garth Ennis is going to be deeply disturbing and weird. That's fair. That's fair. That's, uh, I was going to say. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Brad. I was uh, like, uh, it could, does it kind of fall in line with like, because uh, like we've talked about Neil Gaiman before, and a lot of stuff Neil Gaiman writes, maybe not disturbing to the same level, but weird as fuck. Yeah, a lot of times. Would they both change the genre into actually trying to tell unique new stories and lore? Where like mm-hmm. Neil Gaiman's run on Swamp Thing is so iconic because it goes into what is in the soul of a man. Uh, Preacher is a lot about your relationship to God and you know does God really care about you? Um, I would say that it's just that that kind of difference, but the, the evocative of just a new wave of storytelling. So. It, it, the hopefully the show holds up to that. I've heard good things and from people that liked the stories that it translated really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, along the same lines and just like weird, unique stories, uh, like Good Omens is one that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, American Gods, another. Yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately, American Gods, uh, the TV show, for those that have not read American Gods. The TV show got canceled at the end of the third season before it could really wrap. I think it, based off where it ends, I think you basically could have taken it five seasons. It's such a good TV show too, so it's disappointing. There's hope that it'll get picked up by someone. Like this was nominated for primetime Emmys. Like it's a strong show. It's just didn't get the love. Because also it's weird as fuck and it can turn people off, especially because how it starts. Uh, just talking about this, I was looking up because I thought I heard some rumors about it, but uh, coming up this year is uh, The Sandman on Netflix. So that's something to definitely look for. Another Neil Gaiman story. I listened to the mm-hmm. Audible uh, audio drama, I guess they put out. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to that, but I I will say Good Omens is a little bit even out there for because there's a TV show for Good Omens as well. Yeah, Good Omens is a little different though because even for Neil Gaiman because it's co-written with Terry Pratchett. Yep, oh, which Terry makes Pratchett. it the Ringworlds yeah. writer. What does Terry Pratchett do? Uh, Terry Pratchett's written a ton of stuff, man. Um, let me give you a full list just to make sure I don't miss anything. Discworld, Omen, Good Omens. I listened to the audiobook for Good Omens. Does the TV show hold up and have that same vibe? Like, I know if you get Simon Pegg in it, you're on to a good start. Yeah, I think the TV show does a does a decent job at it. Obviously, uh, not quite the same level, but uh, I think strong overall, relatively strong. Um, you know, Nation Gnome trilogy. Uh, the Gnome trilogy is also 
uh, Terry Pratchett. Or, okay. uh, which is basically like, I don't know if you remember like kids' books, like Truckers, Diggers, Wings. No. I don't know if that rings a bell to either of you, but takes me back. Um, moving on from those, producer on the animated series Invincible on Amazon Prime. Just, I just finished this a couple weeks ago. Oh, so good. Once again, based, yeah, based off, uh, based off, you know, um, they do, I would say Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg do a good job producing things based off of comic books or graphic novels. Uh, there's definitely a sweet spot that they seem to be hitting with that. Uh, Invincible hits, completely hits. Uh, I can't wait for season two, but I have to wait like nine months minimum. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Chalupa, um, did you have a chance to check out any of Invincible? I have not. Well, this is definitely something that I won't spoil for you then, but uh, <laughs> it is. Spoil well away. Spoilers, spoilers don't really bother me too much, man. Um, uh, I don't want to give anything away because it, it's pretty fun the first time you watch it. I, I don't okay. think I'll ruin anything for you, but if you get the chance to take a dip, I would definitely uh, suggest doing so yeah kind of in line with one of the other things that they produce the boys yeah uh in terms of this is though this is animated so we've all seen the boys i imagine right uh the first season yeah okay so but we've all seen the boys in kind of that fucked up superhero story where businesses get involved with soups uh and there's corrupt superheroes who may abuse their powers uh and it's it's really unique uh and kind of takes a different look at at superheroes overall invincible also takes a different look at superheroes as well uh both of them are just great watches and uh boys i think season three comes out in a couple months from now so i'm i'm excited for season three you guys, uh, if you haven't seen season two, damn, you got to get on it. I will. Uh, definitely. I'll pick it back up. Uh, yeah, I was just checking the boys. That's also written by Garth Ennis. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they seem to have a pretty good working relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like that. Um, and then the last few things to touch on from a producer perspective is they produce the show Black Monday. I have not seen Black Monday. I've actually heard that it's pretty decent, though, and I'm a big Don Cheadle fan, so uh, maybe it's something I should take a look. Paul Shear's also in that, and uh, could be interesting. Could be a good watch. I'm not. I'm not sure. And then Tim, your favorite Santa Inc. <laughs> okay, there's really not much more that can be said about Santa Inc. Uh, let me bring up my notes because fuck that show. Um, I will say that it's well written um, for the dialogue back and forth, like some of the jokes. Uh, it gets into the what was the the food movie sausage party? Uh, a lot, a lot of uh, just crass dick jokes for the sake of it. Um, and then it is mired in the fact that this show has come in with a message, 
where a lot of the great shows that I've enjoyed over the years, like The Simpsons or Futurama, when you have a cartoon that has a premise and they're going through it and then they they slip in uh, social commentary or something like that, it's for some reason that much more meaningful to me. Uh, I felt like I was being hit over the head with a hammer of of what they were trying to say. But uh, as per the discussion, you may or may not hear that we went on for an hour at the beginning of this episode. Uh, maybe it's important. Maybe shows like this are important because maybe I just don't get it. Because <laughs> there's some wild shit happening in Canada right now. And uh, yeah, maybe uh, systemic issues are important to take a look at and laugh at, even if I feel like I'm the person being laughed at. Mm. I I have not seen it. I appreciate the fact that Maria Bamford's one of the voices in it, but uh, I've just heard so many people, and once again, Greg Robinson, voice in it. But I've just, it's been panned so hard that I don't know if it's worth a look at all for me. Like we're talking like 1.4 out of 10 on IM, like that's impossibly low. Like there are very few large scale projects that rate that low. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Well, and his yeah. response to it pissed me off a little bit or irritated me because it wasn't the fact that it was bad. It was immediately, no, it's because white supremacists hate us and they're trying to flame us there was no acceptance of like what I put out might've been bad. Now I don't know if that's from being years in Hollywood and now he's thinks that he's Seth Rogen, he's untouchable or if like you just created something and everyone hated it and that's a knee jerk response to try to defend it no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very, uh, good point. But, um, Aside from that, man, we we got Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg have written something that's coming out. That's a sp- animated spinoff of The Boys called The Boys Dol- Diabolical. Uh, release date Friday, March fourth. So it just came out for everyone listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, it recently came out. Uh, weirdly, it stars Andy Samberg. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what voice he plays because not all the voices are credited. Um, but it's got some people, Kieran Culkin, Ben Schwartz, Aquafina, Camille Nagiani, uh, there's Simon Pegg, Elizabeth Shue, Christian Slater, Aisha Tyler, Michael Sarah, oh. Kevin Smith, Don Cheadle, lots of voices. Wow. Jonathan nice or Jason Isaacs. Yeah, um, should be should be very interesting. Uh, maybe maybe we'll be getting together around that time too when it when it premieres. Maybe that's one of the things we'll look to watch. Uh, some random stuff to kind of wrap up the whole Seth Rogen chat. Uh, one of the things this is big kudos to Seth Rogen is the work he does. Uh, founded Hilarity for Charity, um, which is a non-profit movement with his wife and it's uh it's basically his wife has issues with uh 
want to say Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. It's his wife's mom. Yeah. His his mother-in-law. Yeah, yeah. His wife, his wife's mother, has uh, Alzheimer's. So it's really about awareness and helping to educate and hopefully eventually find a cure for the disease. Right. So um, he does a big show every year. Uh, like a big gala event, raises a bunch of money. They had a Netflix special around it as well. Uh, so kudos to them for founding that. Uh, Seth Rogen has been on the cover of Playboy. Ew. He's one of like 10 men that have ever graced the cover of Playboy. Uh, he auditioned to be Dwight Schrute. I remember seeing his audition tape. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No bueno. Happy that he didn't land it. (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. Uh, He doesn't really pull off the Pennsylvania Dutch look. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then he's got tons of, he like, you talk about leaning into, leaning into the comic side and he's got Darkwing Duck. TV series that he's an executive I producer saw that. on. That's very interesting. I uh, was a huge T- Darkwing Duck fan. Is it exactly Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles producer? So nice. excited! Yeah, there's another The Boys spinoff that is listed as untitled in pre-production right now. It's very interesting. Uh, yeah, just lots of stuff. He was actually. The voice for BC Transit on the Sky Train, I believe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so that was really uh, cool. that's cool. Only, yeah, only briefly. I think that. he was only on for like a few months or something like that. Just for mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. So kudos to Seth Rogen. I think overall we're all, uh, are all seem to be fans of him. There's, you know, some sometimes he can be a little bit uh, one dimensional. But even in the times he is, there's still enough entertainment to make the movie worth a watch for the most part. I, uh, and, before we do- jump into the last little bit in the sign-off, I just want to say Console Wars is the one that I'm looking forward to the most, where uh, they're going to do Sega versus Nintendo uh, back in like the 80s and the congressional hearings. I am fucking pumped. Mm, should be very interesting. I, I haven't heard too much about it, but uh, it is it is a very uh, like the the wars between uh, Sega and Nintendo were very interesting. I remember reading about them. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm still surprised, man. For years, I I've been saying that Nintendo should have just uh, should have just stopped making consoles and just licensed their IP. So that you could play like Nintendo games on uh, on like Xbox, PlayStation, everywhere, but you know they keep uh, they keep chugging along, and the Switch kind of hit the mark. So you know because like the Wii was like oh, okay, I get it, it's kind of gimmicky. Then the Wii U came out and it was like, uh, well, this is just like you're just doubling you down the on the GameCube. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, the GameCube was fantastic, ahead of its time. <laughs> I hated it. Switch is fucking. Oh, you'd have that one, one friend that would have it and like little tiny discs and everything. Dude, the 
one of the best, if not the best controller in the history of controllers is the Nintendo GameCube controller. Oh, no, 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 sir. That was as awkward and dumb as the 64 controller. I hated both no. of them. They did not feel there's, right There's in no way. The, the GameCube controller may be regarded as the best controller of all time. People like to jump I'd on bandwagons. On PlayStation 2 controller. I, no. So as someone that plays like Smash Bros a ton, uh, I've tried playing it on a lot of different controllers. I've tried playing emulated Smash Bros on my PC with uh, PlayStation, Xbox controllers, everything. And the GameCube controller, the triggers. Oh, man, the triggers. And the the circular button placement around the central A button, it's actually just so intuitive. It, it's so great. Uh, the one thing is the joysticks are a little tiny which is the one thing that I don't like about the GameCube controller. I would still take that over a PlayStation controller. PlayStation controllers are dookie. <gasps> Sir. PlayStation controllers are absolute dookie. They feel like they like you'll break in their hands. They're always like weirdly light. Uh, and the joysticks in PlayStation controllers suck. For the longest time, they were fucking uh, convex instead of concave. So like your thumbs could easily slide off the stick. It was like, why why aren't they concave at the on the top of the joysticks? As long so as you dry your hands with the uh, the tr- Dorito dust off, you're gonna be fine. Oh please, I don't eat Doritos, man. I'm eating powdered donuts <laughs> while I play. No. You look like a Cool Ranch <laughs> man to me. No powdered uh, donuts keep the dryness on the thumbs, keeps the oil <laughs> away. <laughs> Oh uh, man! Yeah, I, we could have a whole chat, and maybe during our Pokemon, we need to thing, do we'll a, we need to do stuff. some video games, work our way up, and everything. Go yeah, from the, the old days of us first starting into it, and work our oh, way for sure. So, everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, it's been a pleasure taking you through Seth Rogen and our love of him, and where we think he hits the mark, as well as you kind of getting uh, getting an eye into how much we love. Charlize Theron, which is a crazy amount. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not alone here, guys. No. Uh, Which is a good feeling. So, yeah, thank you once again. Um, You can find me at twitch.tv slash notjustbs. I'll pass it on to Aaron to let you know where you can be found. He can be found. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, ChalupaCabra5252. Um, yeah, send me a message. Let me know where you heard us from so I just know you're not a bot or some kind of weirdo. An East Indian fellow that's you know going to promise me Uggs and iPad to see my bobs. <laughs> oh, I am what about you? What about you, Tim? Well, you can find all of us at uh, Couch Critics Canada. Uh, we're <gasps> going to have a Twitter. We're going to have a Instagram that's already set up. Uh, if oh. you're looking at our picture now, I still don't know how to shrink it so it actually fits inside of the uh, circle, but we're working on that. On uh, the Twitter. Yeah, so that's where you can find us. We even have a Gmail if you have any questions or suggestions or you just want to be a part of the community. That's going to be the best place to reach us. I'll make sure that everybody has access and we'll answer the questions as we go, or maybe we'll even take it live. Uh, make sure that you rate and review us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review, and no matter what you write, so long as it isn't hateful, well, it can be hateful to us, but not just to people, uh, we will read it on air. 
Um, specifically, if you mention your hatred of Winnipeg, we will make sure to uh, get you to the forefront of an episode. Uh, and then if you're looking for me, you can find the Beard and Board channel. Uh, there I work with a few rotating cast of hosts where we can talk about anything from conspiracy theories to getting on Reddit and reading the Am I the Asshole episodes uh, <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, lots of exciting stuff happening. Um, yeah. Bye. Awesome. Sick. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. And I will gladly read out your Winnipeg hate mail. Uh, live on air, regardless of I'll what read it, says, it in as German. Long as, as long as it doesn't have racial slurs in it, I will gladly read it out live. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. Perfect. Thanks, everybody. Um, See sweet. you next time.